from Alaska Teen Media Institute. I'm Forrest Rogers. This is Film Club. A podcast series where our youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. So, these are spoiler-filled conversations. If you haven't seen the movie they're talking about, be prepared to learn far more about them than the trailers will tell you. It's the winter holidays, and for some people, that means it's time for Christmas movies. So, we thought we'd have a film club holiday special and talk about one of the most divisive Christmas movies of them all, Die Hard. Our youth producers got together on Zoom to talk about the Bruce Willis starring action, some of them having only just seen it for the first time. They debate the age-old question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? But also talk about what makes a good Christmas movie, how Die Hard holds up decades later, and their favorite parts about it. Here is their discussion, led by senior producer Daisy Carter. Welcome, everybody, to the Die Hard Roundtable. In this journey of me finding new movies that I've never seen, Die Hard has always been the one that people are like, oh, you have to watch it, you have to watch it, like, since I haven't watched it. And the debate of a Christmas movie we'll get into later. Um, but I thought it would be appropriate since that's what everyone seems to say about it and that it's Christmas time. So just an introduction of myself. I'm Daisy. Um, I My relationship with Die Hard is that this is my first time watching it and everyone has kind of been telling me to watch it for the longest time. I'm Madison Knudsen, and my relationship with Die Hard is that my family has been watching it for a few years. We watch it uh, Christmas Day, uh, along with the Christmas story, the one from, what was it, 1980s, sometime that, but I like it fairly well. My name is Armand Lois. My relationship with this movie is I have seen or heard about this movie for a very long time, but I never quite saw why it was a Christmas movie. But uh, now that I've watched it, I can safely say my relationship with Die Hard is pretty good. Um, so yeah, that's the first question that I have of the debate of if it's a Christmas movie. So me personally, I'm kind of in the board, um, in the boat of Ormond that like I, I, like I see how it's a Christmas movie that like it is, it happened during Christmas, happened during Christmas time. But I guess I'm in the same vein of calling it a Christmas movie, as long as you can also call Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas movie, you know? So, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I will say the first few minutes felt like Jingle All the Way. That's another Christmas movie I haven't seen. I have not seen a lot of Christmas movies. My thing with, like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie is that, like, to define a Christmas movie, you just have to, like, I don't know. You kind of have to define a Christmas movie by itself. Like, uh, what I define it as is kind of, like, a movie that upholds the themes of Christmas or, like, the values of Christmas. So, like, family staying together or, like, sort of the traditional family Christmas. And Die Hard kind of has that in a way with uh kind of just like um was it John McClane and him his motivations in the movie so I mean I would classify it as a Christmas movie 
sort of, just as playing a, like a baseline. I think it's a pretty good Christmas movie because it describes in detail how much how much your parents have to go through to convince Santa to get you gifts. Yeah, that's very true. I think it's really funny how, like, I understand that passion behind, like, wanting to call um, Die Hard a Christmas movie and just how adamant people are that, like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. But I also feel like if you have to, like, continuously say it and try to convince people that it's a Christmas movie don't really think it's that strong of a Christmas movie so I don't know if I would call it a Christmas movie because it has like that theme of it starts out as a Christmas movie but then it quickly devolves into like actiony sort of stuff um I would call Home Alone more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. That's a fair argument. I get, yeah. I would say that Home Alone yeah. is a better Christmas, or like more Christmassy Christmas movie than Die Hard. But what I think, Die Hard is like the anti-Christmas movie almost. Like it kind of like is a juxtaposition of a Christmas movie, like regular Christmas movies are happy and like aside from like Home Alone and some of those but like the traditional Christmas movie is like families coming together they're happy they're you know I don't know it's just joy and then this one is uh murder it's crime it's yeah it's kind of just like everything you don't relate with Christmas I I like that idea that like yeah yeah, that it's like an anti-Christmas movie. That makes more sense than calling it a Christmas movie. I think maybe it's possible the directors wanted it to be an anti-Christmas movie because they wanted to show the ideals and celebrations of Christmas from a new angle. And I think they did that pretty well. Also, something that I kind of saw in, in my little research of Die Hard is that this was made in the 80s and this theme of like, and we'll get into it a little bit, like Macho Man films, this, that's, I don't know if that's like the technical term of it, were very common in the 80s. So I think that it's really funny that like this is like an anti-Christmas movie. It's also like Macho Man movie. So next question, what were some of your favorite parts of the movie? Or what are your favorite parts of the movie since um, you both have already seen it? I know personally, um, I I didn't know that Alec Rickman was in it. It was funny. I was watching it with my sister, and then um, I and then was just like we were just like, oh my gosh, like Alan Rickman is in this, and we were kind of happy and like ex- like kind of excited to kind of like see him as like somebody other than. Professor Snape, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, Holly De Niro, I really liked because again, like in this theme of like of 80s, I'm thinking about, um, it was really common for women in that time to be um, putting their career more as a priority than traditional like family stuff. So I thought that was really cool. And I thought it was really BA how she took how in her business acquiries she did she took her maiden name instead of like 
the McLean the McLean name. I thought that was pretty cool, pretty ba. And the real, I think, OG like like awesome character was Sergeant Al Powell. I loved the return to character that he like shot like um, that he like shot off his gun after we learned that like he hasn't done that since like he accidentally killed um, a kid. I thought that that was kind of like a nice nice bow, nice Christmas bow on his um, sort of story. Um, those are some of my favorite parts of the movie, just seeing um, Alan Rickerson's range, I think was really cool. My like favorite part is, to be honest, like the ending, starting with like uh, Hans Gruber's death. That's really just like a classic death scene. Um, this was like the score and then the framing of the shot when he's falling off the building. I just thought that's like always something I like have to stop if I'm doing something while I'm watching it, uh, Die Hard. I just have to stop and watch that. And then I also liked the scene where um, John reunites with, uh, what was his name? Al Powell um, near the end before the last bad guy comes back to life. Um, I thought the score was like really great in that part and it was a really powerful scene. And then just like everything after that, I thought was really good. And of course, uh, Let It Snow is classic after when it, the ending scene, it's great. And then I also have to add the set design is great at the end because they have like, it's like all practical effects and it just, just really shows like it did a really good job with like everything, the paper that was falling, the destruction was just kind of like very kind of beautifully cinematic to me in some way or another, but yeah. My favorite parts were the fight scenes. The fight scenes are really satisfying and I think the word is exhilarating because how much you're driven immediately to hate all films of the movie. And then my next favorite part after that or before that is where they interview the child and the child says come home and that really installed a feeling of hope for for the latter part of the movie. I felt really uh into that movie once i saw as a child praying about as parents coming home really serves as a very positive and wholesome inspiration for what happens after that scene that's so interesting that you bring that scene up ormond because i remember like i'm going to school for journalism and like that was such like a violation of like like i, I don't know like that's how i see it like oh my gosh like that poor child like hat like this person broke in like first of all broke in by um by like threatening the nanny for, for like calling ice or something like that which is awful and then like going in and like telling his telling this kid like hey your parents are in this building about to die like what do you have to say about that it's like what the heck like that really like made me mad and I was like what is going on I will admit that part did sound very forced. I felt bad for the family. Yeah, I was, I, yeah, that's just, that was just like my view on it. I was just like, oh my God, poor kid. But, um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, but that, that's, that was kind of important for, um, for John and Holly to kind of know and to kind of like hear like their kid 
like fucking. So what were some of the things that you didn't like in the movie? Um, especially with this being kind of an old movie, um, there were some things that just would not hold up today. So I was just wondering, like, what are some of your part? What are some things that you didn't particularly like about the movie? I'm trying to think. Um, I thought a lot of the stuff in the movie held up pretty well. Um, some of the dialogue was kind of forced and a little bit cheesy. Uh, a lot of like 80s tropes and stuff. Uh, like the like chief of police was kind of a, I don't know, very stereotypical character. I, uh, I can't really think of anything, uh, but probably just like references to other like things that were popular at the time. And then there's also just like, um, I think the whole character, I forget his name, but like the one character who works with Holly, that guy just kind of got on my nerves, which is the point of the movie. But yeah, he was just very, like a very forced kind of like antagonist, secondary antagonist to Hans and his team and stuff. So I just, yeah, he was very annoying to me more than he should have been. Yeah, I... When I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, here's like the Bitcoin brage, like trying to save the day. And it was really annoying. But again, like you said, that was kind of his purpose was to kind of like be annoying. Um, this is kind of a hot take that might um, upset everyone. I don't like John McClane at all. I, I, I don't like him very much. Um, and again, we'll get into um, kind of like the Macho Man kind of films. Um, yeah, I just didn't like how he was like, he was being portrayed as the good guy, but to me, he was kind of the, um, I don't know, he was kind of like this, this dude who was just like trying to save the day, and he did, which is great. But I think what really kind of bothered me was how he kind of made Holly feel for taking this amazing opportunity in California like he was kind of like oh like I can't just like leave my job and blah 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 it would have been yeah hard. I agree with you Daisy uh adding to Madison's answer not only do I think features a fair amount of cliches cheesiness I think it inspired a lot of cliches after its release the part about how the protagonist just happens to be a cop happens to be buff, happens to be able to go around the elevators, things like that. Yeah, I just, I just, obviously I'm not the target audience for this, but I, I just could not get behind John McClane and, and what he was doing. So it's like. Yeah, I wonder who the target audience is. <laughs> I wonder who it could be. Um, but, but yeah, I was definitely more invested in Holly's story and Sergeant Al Powell, who is the real MVP. Orman, did you want to um, say anything that you didn't like about the movie? Just the cliches. Uh, I know that at the time they weren't cliches. They were still fairly, if not brand new. But watching it, knowing all the cliches from personal experience, watching other movies with that, it made the movie not worse, but there were times where I felt a bit annoyed because I was reminded of other movies that used similar plot holes and things like that yeah that's actually something that I thought was really interesting was like me going into this movie I knew the line um um 
Shoot, what's that one line that has a cuss word that we can't say on this podcast? There you go, that one. So I knew that one. And I was like, kind of like, oh, like there it is. And but like, I've known that from like other media. Um, So I thought that was pretty interesting. And that was pretty cool, like where it kind of originated from. Something that I kind of like to look on when um, when doing research on the movies that I watch um, is looking at the log line or looking at kind of like a mini summary of the movie. And so my summary of the movie is the movie has a theme of a hostage situation with a cop whose marriage is falling apart. Why do you think that this movie like appeals to so many people and has this kind of cult following of like, of not only that it's a Christmas movie, but that it's a really awesome action movie? I think it's that like simple premise that uh, kind of like simple setup that a lot of people like. Um, like John McClane is kind of like a shell. He's his uh, character is kind of really kind of empty in this movie almost. So like you could almost put yourself in there, although like you might not be a cop, but like he's still like kind of just a regular dude, and you know he has troubles with his marriage, like a lot of um, people have. I think a lot of people could just like resonate with that a little bit and then also just follow along with the easy story. Um, Yeah, I think it's just a simple story people could follow with a few like extra details like Hans Gruber and like his kind of extra personality and the way Alan Rickman um, portrayed him that a lot of people liked. Side note. What kind of a name is Hans Gruber? Like whoever came up with that name, that is not a threatening name. If somebody came up to me and was like, hi, I have a gun to your face. My name is Hans Gruber. I'd be like, your name rhymes with booger. <laughs> like, that's not that scary. But um, yeah, I just thought that was a, a fun anecdote. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't think that that name was super threatening, but his performance was threatening. That's when I was like, whoa, this Gruber guy pretty scary yeah i think the summary of the whole film can come just from a misunderstanding misunderstandings in my mind are things that are most likely to promote and cause conflicts that can escalate very easily we don't really understand exactly what the terrorists are are trying to do except they're, they're saying that takagi is greedy that's not really a lot of an explanation. So the misunderstanding to me is essentially what caused everyone to become hostages. It's what gets John McClane to save the day. But he also, like like you said, Daisy, he does it in a very, very like a backhanded way, I guess. It doesn't really make him seem like a good guy, but he technically is because he saves the people. But even that, that's a misunderstanding too, because then the, the police, the department, they come over and they, they think this guy's the villain. And I'm not surprised. I think that's what the summary is. I think the whole thing came from one misunderstanding after another. I think that's well, called I mean, the domino effect. Yeah. But, um, Armin, why do you think that these sort of, um, that this sort of movie resonates with so many people? Because it's, uh, it's about Christmas is one thing. And I think people like to watch movies that make them feel positive is one thing, but this is a more extreme example. I think people like watching this movie because it makes them feel powerful. They 
get to see a lot of it, not all, but a very certain amount of it from the perspective of the protagonist who just happens to be this macho cop and it makes people feel like they can take on the world. But also that's not very fair either because maybe I wasn't watching the same movie, but I didn't see a lot of representation of, uh, of women in the film. I felt there was an absence of, of power on that area and I think they should have uh, included more. I think Holly McLean should have uh, done a lot more. I think she was in the situation. I think she handled it beautifully, but I don't think they gave her enough things to do, and that's pretty bad. At least it's a bad look today. I second that, Orman. I think they should have given her more responsibility. Yeah, you all kind of touched on kind of what I wanted to kind of talk about was that I think it's, I think why people resonate with this um, film is that you know there are um, there are you know people out there who can think that they can you know take on the world and this movie like gives that gives them that opportunity to kind of see that situation even though yes this is this guy is a cop he's been a cop for a while so um, Die Hard is a part of genre that I like to call macho man films where there's an average guy usually a cop a secret agent or some other special secret profession who um, who saves the day. Um, for example, like Terminator or um, Top Gun or just any sort of film like that where there's just a guy, av average guy who just goes on and like saves the day. This, recently, I've noticed that there hasn't been those types of movies anymore. Those type of like macho man movies who save the day, save the girl, save the world um, anymore. Um, why do you think that is? I think that our kind of our society has been shifting away from kind of like male dominated movies, uh, not too much. We still have a long way to go with like representation with women, but like I think a lot of like the women, like the good for her movie genre where women are kind of taking power, whether it be through good reasons or like, you know, bad art is like kind of being more popular today I think a lot of people like to see more women in action roles or and even um think more like uh Marvel movies and stuff are more popular today which you could say they're action but they're not necessarily the macho action films because they have superheroes in them so I think a lot of that like sci-fi and superhero movies are a lot more popular today. So a lot more people are going to see those rather than like the new like Fast and Furious movie that might come out every like two years or so. Yeah, I agree with everything Madison said. We should have more representation for women and other things like people of color. And I think we are going towards that road and I fully support that move. I think that we've been kind of moving away from this macho man genre um, because we, first of all, we've already seen it. Like we had this stretch of just macho man films um, where, you know, guys saves the day, the world, the girl um, and everything in between. So we're kind of, we've already seen it. We already know like what happens. So I think that our kind of movie diet is becoming more like advanced and wanting to see something, you know, 
more refreshing, like like women in power, like people of color in power, like more complicated um, characters because people are complicated. Um, and these films don't have don't have that. They don't have complicated films. Um, like how I said, like I, I I didn't connect with John McClane not only because like he's a he's a white man and a cop, but also because like he was very like he was very like um one dimensional. He was very like, oh, I'm a cop, I have to save the day. Um, not so much of um, well, I guess at the end, yeah, he was very much like, oh, I have to save, you know, my wife. Um, but it, he wasn't very dimensional like the other characters are um so I think that we're coming we're becoming more susceptible to that we're becoming more like needing more from movies um that these that these macho man films don't really deliver yeah something that um that I think Ormond added on was how Holly should have gotten more screen time Cause yeah, like she was uh, like a, a big part of this company, this um, Nakatomi like Plaza um, company. Um, and I think what really frustrated me was that she like left her le like left New York with her kids um, to go start a new life, but was still hung up on John. I'm like Holly, come on, you're a businesswoman. You can do better. Granted, the guys in your office are not better, but come on, like, like let's do it. Um, so yeah, I think that yeah, she should have she should have gotten some more screen time. Well, not necessarily screen time because screen time doesn't mean representation, but just more stuff to do, you know, in that aspect. Um, I just want to add real quick, like with your thoughts with Holly, it kind of surprises me that they didn't like do more with her, considering I'm not sure if. Terminator was released before this movie if we can look that up but um the yeah the one of the main protagonists in Terminator is a woman and she's like has to deal with like Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator and it's uh I don't know it just surprised me that they maybe didn't focus more on that and as well uh Alien had uh it had Ripley and she was like really influential in that so uh they did have like women as sort of like the leading role in those sort of macho man films um but I guess it just didn't reach this one but I guess those were just kind of one movie out of a bunch so they still had a long way to go with representation and there was a lot of men in this film so yeah. even then there were a lot of women to balance it out all right. Well, thank you guys so much for um, taking the time out of the day to um, talk about Die Hard. Um, definitely happy that I watched it. Um, definitely um, excited to be <laughs> excited to to pull a Captain America moment and be like, I understand that reference. <laughs> I've been doing that so much more now that I've been watching like more movies. Um, so, yeah. Is there anything else? Any final thoughts on the movie? Any final thoughts on um, on Christmas? <laughs> like anything else you want to add? My final thoughts are yippee ki yay. Hope you have a nice day.
You've been listening to Film Club, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to our supporters of our podcast, including Spirit of Youth, Rosie Robards, and James McCoy. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like ATME. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Alaska Teen Media. You can also help us by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who is interested in becoming a member of our team, go to alaskateenmedia.org forward slash join to find out more. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Forrest Rogers. Thanks for listening.